And welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, we are coming off of a, a, another week of good gaming and we are excited to bring this new episode to you. Um, we're going to be talking about, uh, it's another reflection episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we wanted to talk, uh, we had two episodes specifically. Uh, one we had filmed previously uh, last week. Uh, I happen to be wearing the same shirt. <laughs> uh, oh, we even mentioned on the last podcast, you don't even have to try. They know what we do. Yeah, that's right. We're filming multiple episodes back to back. But we had two episodes that we wanted to reflect on, kind of react to. Uh, last week's was our um, gaming goals. Like mm-hmm. what, what goals we had throughout the year, and we found that we for most our of them. audio listeners, this may be two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it might have been two weeks ago. And then uh, this week we wanted to talk about our anticipated games, and of course, I want to add the caveat here is that we're still in twenty twenty one while we're recording. Week yes, week and a half. Yes. So some of these games, even though they were released this time. I would like for us to eventually go back and reflect on those again and the new ones that we did eventually get to the table because um, not all of these got released. Some of them we, we yeah. got but haven't played. Um, there's one very big exception that I'm looking forward to us talking about here in a bit. But I just wanted to bring that up, that caveat, is even though these are anticipated, we wanted to talk about what we thought about what, what happened when we played them and uh, some of them we just haven't played yet. Yeah, I know. And... A lot of the ones that I have here, I haven't played. Some of them haven't released. So yeah, exactly. It's kind of interesting that uh, going through that list and be like, "Oh wait, okay. Oh, oh wait, okay." Yeah, exactly. But before we do that, before we get into the episode, uh, Daniel, what have you been playing lately? So I do have four games that I have been playing. Lately, and I did mention one of the games uh, in that original podcast that I just kind of wanted to shout out when I was talking about some of the other groups. And the first one on my list here is Cape May. Now, I showed you this copy. Mm -hmm. I finally got to play it. Ooh, okay. I'm enamored with that game. I really had a good time with it. Mind you, it was only one play, but I liked what it was doing. Um, It's, in essence, an economic game. You're trying to build up and get the most points at the end of the game by building up Cape May in New Jersey. You can get some by getting a set collection of bird tokens, but they're randomly drawn. You, of course, you got to build up your your houses and your uh, make them Victorians and make them landmarks and get your points and stuff like that. And you have your own personal goals too. You get two personal goal cards to start the game. Sometimes they synergize. Like mine, I needed three buildings in pretty much uh three of the four locations for them to work well both the the cards that i had they had the uh same one of the same locations so for me it was i needed buildings in grass and dirt and then the second one was in dirt and sand because there are levels and so hey that's energized for me and the thing is you can choose it at the beginning of the game you get four gold cards you choose which two you want to keep sure simple yeah i love uh the fact that one of your actions is you can move your character down the road. You get to do three actions on a turn, and one of them, the movement, you play a movement card. And depending on if you only want to move a minimum amount of movements, I think it's the one step, it ha- it costs you two gold to use. If it's the two step, it costs you one gold to use. But it also works on the other side. If you want to use your six and seven movements, they cost you money. A seven is two, and a six is one. Okay. Whereas three, four, and five don't cost you anything, but you... 
have to be smart how you play it because you want to be adjacent to certain areas if you want to start putting your stuff out there, your yeah. your cottages and your shops, which they, you can then eventually upgrade to businesses or Victorians. Okay. And then you get like uh, gold cards whenever you upgrade your businesses. And it played so well. It took a little bit to kind of figure it out and then it kind of didn't because like it's very simple it's just it seems like there's a lot out there you got your like i said your three actions one of them is move one of them is pick up your movement cards so once your movement card is on the table you have to take a whole action to pick up movement cards back up you build um you can upgrade you can um yeah i think that's pretty much it build upgrade there's one more. Oh, you can get uh, activity cards or play activity cards. Those gotcha. are the other two actions. Okay. So you gain activity cards and you just do what they say. There's some of them that have two on it. So you pick or choose because it says you could do this or this. Gotcha. And then sometimes they have it at a discount. So it says upgrade one of your Victorians to a landmark at a $2 discount because it normally costs $10. You only get three um, pay pay phase so one of your other actions is you can just collect three monies sure but when you're going uh through the uh seasons because it's played in 12 rounds three rounds per season basically you know we get a quarterly payment except for winter so when you're in uh, when you go from fall or spring to summer you get your first uh income phase and so that's another reason why you're upgrading all your stuff and putting stuff out there because it's increasing your income yeah, and so sense. when you go through your first one, hey, I'm only going to make $8 this turn, but hey, that's $8 I can, you know, not have to use an action to gain money. But when you're going into your summer, if you did right, you're going to get like $25, $26. And if you get your third income, it could be in the 40s, and that's just going to help you move stuff or, or build stuff a lot better because your whole right. goal is to get your uh, buildings upgraded and landmarked and stuff like that because that's how you're going to get your points. Uh, I think like if you have Victorians and the sand level, there are 11 points per Victorian. I got 33 points for having three Victorians in the sand level. And this game was very close. It was a four-player game, and I think there was only nine points between first place and last place. Wow. It was... That's phenomenal i really like it it's really beautiful it's really well done you think I, um, like it too? I think you would enjoy it i okay. think you would dig it it does look cool <clears throat> and for pretty cheap i think you can pick it up for 50 bucks oh yeah that's not bad at all yeah it's a really well produced game uh yeah you don't see it on the shelf over there thunderworks yeah. yeah it's on my it's in my game bag right, right okay. now who is the designer on that um, I think his name is Esso. I can't remember exactly his name, but it's like Eric Meso or Masso okay. or something like that. Cool. Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah, but Kate May. All right, so the first one I'm going to talk about is uh, a game with an IP that you and I both enjoy quite a bit. It's uh, Firefly themed. And I had bought a number of months ago a copy of Firefly Shiny Dice. Ah, uh, Liar's and- Dice. Uh, no, it's actually very different. Really? Um, yeah, it's not Liar's Dice in the slightest. It is a Press Your Luck dice game, which, I mean, great theme. Yep. I like Press Your Luck. I like dice games. Like, what could go wrong? <laughs> this game is so overwhelmingly convoluted that it's frustrating. And what I mean by that is that, yes, it's a Press Your Luck game, but let's tell, let's talk to you why. There are 15 dice in the game. Some of them are the villains, like uh, the foes. I'm sorry. So it's like bad. It'll either roll badger, niska, or oh, okay, or um, what's her name? 
the girl, the girlfriend. Wait, whose girlfriend? There's uh, a... Mal's girlfriend, the redhead. Christina uh, Hendricks is the actress. Oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. I can't... don't remember her name off the top of yeah, my head. Yeah, 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 I know what you're talking it, about. It's one of those three, right? And then... Because she's have... also, like, what Anira is, the... Yeah, yeah. Whatever they call it there, I can't think right. of it now. And, and there's two other kinds of dice. There's crew dice. Uh, well, I'm sorry, both of these are considered crew dice, but there's... Companion. Uh, yeah, uh, there are the ones that are obvious, like Wash, um, you have Mal, Zoe, um, okay. all of them, Jane, all those. And then you also have Passenger Dice, which are stuff like River, Book, um, all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Doctor, whatever his name is. Um, so you roll all 15 of these dice and you basically sort them out, right? On, on the, it comes with two really nice player mats that kind of have the sections going. And then you flip over a mission card. Well, uh, actually, then you choose whether you want to use Wash to re-roll your, uh, some of your crew dice or River to re-roll some of the foe dice. And that matters because they all have their own abilities. Um, and then you choose to re-roll those. Then you flip over a foe uh, mission card. Yeah. And then if you happen to have those dice faces there, then you follow the instructions on the mission card. But there's also another little, like, code word on it, on the mission card. Like, it might be a shiny mission, or it might be a Gorum mission, you know, a bushwhacked mission. And that has another caveat, which isn't referenced on the card. Um, but you could probably eventually remember. It's like, oh, well, like, bushwhacked, for example, if once you're done with that, you you, you can't continue pressing your luck. You just have to finish. Yeah. Or there's ones where you do have to finish. Like, Gorum, I think you have to keep going. Shiny lets you, like, KO a, a faux dice, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then after you've done the missions, then the foe strike, which if you have at least one Niska, you have to KO one of your dice, one of your crew dice, done. If you have the, the girlfriend, um, whatever it is, she puts um, dice into the cargo bay, which basically removes it from that turn, but you can still re-roll them for the next round if you okay, choose to press luck. And then uh, Badger, if you get any... Uh, any cargo dice, um, then or supplies dice, then he steals those. So when you defeat him, you get the that those supplies immediately. Okay. So it's thematic on how they work, right? Yeah. And then every character in the show has its own special ability. Like like Mal, for example, he can he can bring more dice from the cargo hold and put them back into Serenity and re-roll them. You know, bringing the crew back in, like basically pep talk. But he can also like KO. Uh, the girlfriend's dice, only hers. He can't KO Niska or, or Badger. Zoe could do, like, two damage amongst anybody. Okay. Um, Jane, he can either do two damage on somebody, or he can, like, you could discard him and another die and do all damage to one one foe. Like, it's completely knocked him out, because he just flips out, right? And so they all have their own ability. Like, River can do one damage across everybody. You know, so it has some cool ability. It has some cool ideas, some cool abilities, Here's the problem. You probably are, like, overwhelmed with all that I just said right there. Because that's the dice game. Your turns take 10 to 15 minutes. And then, after you've succeeded, if you've defeated all your foes that turn, you're going to get 100 victory points for each foe you defeat, plus the bonuses, plus uh, supplies, which are basically, like, 50 points. Uh, each It's 2 to 1 for 100 points at the end of the game. Then you can choose to... Go again, reroll all of the foe dice, 
all everything that you had still in Serenity, all the supplies and everything in the cargo hold. Anything that was KO'd from the last round, you're, you can't yeah. use. So then you have you get to choose to do another full turn of all of that. Okay. And that ends up taking a really long time. Um, it took us 40 minutes to play one round. You're supposed to play three rounds for each player. And we did end up playing with a variant that uh, the designer, Scott Morris, he ended up going online and saying that he never designed it with the mission cards, but you're supposed to reveal the mission after you've re-rolled. Well, then you don't know what you're going for. Yeah. He said that his intent is that before you do your re-rolls, flip over a mission, see what you're aiming for, then decide. And that makes... Everybody plays with that now. Yeah, it just makes much more sense. It just does, yeah. Because it's... It's not just a random effect or whatever. Because how are you going to decide, okay, these are the dice that I want. I, right. I mean, I know it's pressure luck, but the pressure luck is like if you want to keep going on missions. Right, exactly. Why is it a pressure luck if you don't know what's coming up? Right, exactly. Exactly. No, you're, you're absolutely right on that. And it's because of how long and how convoluted it is. Like, I got pretty comfortable. Like, I can memorize most of the abilities. Yeah. Like, an aura just gets you 100 points and you bank immediately. Stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can remember it and it does make sense thematically. But we played it with four players. We played one round. And it took us forty minutes. Oh Jesus! And for a push your luck game, it shouldn't be that. Uh, for a, if for it, a if, if it's game, if it's a, no. a push your luck game that takes forty minutes, that should be the entire game, not just one round. Right. Exactly. So that would have taken us like an hour and a half. Because uh, what is it? The one of the longer push your luck games that we played, uh, Dead Man Tells Long Tales. Yeah, that's for, still only 15, 20 minutes total. And that's the oh, burning ship. Yeah. Dead Man Tell No Tales. Um, that's the the uh, Kane Clinko burning ship pirate ship. Yeah, I wouldn't even call that push your luck, really. I mean, well, it's a co-op off. push your luck. Yeah, they can kind of go a little bit farther as you go. But or yeah, it's pandemic the cure, or, or yeah, because that's the no, that's not the King Clinkle one. It's the rapid response. Rapid response, and that's timed. Yeah, like I don't know, it like it makes sense, and I wanted to like it more than I did, but it just fell flat, and now I'm going to be trading it in because. I mean, maybe you'd like it if I played two player, right? Like if you and me played it, like you'd probably maybe, dig it. Yeah, but. I don't think you'd be uh, uh, probably it's enamored not with worth it, keeping. especially yeah. when there are so many good push your luck games out right. there. I just mentioned Dungeon the king. I, I mentioned the king of it, King Clinko. Yep. Yep. So exactly. No, it's it. Yeah, it was frustrating because I wanted to like it so bad, but we didn't. So. All right, moving on to my number two game, Welcome to, and we played the Winter Wonderland map pack, uh-huh. and so. I really enjoy it. I still think Welcome to is a phenomenal game. It's probably in my top five, if not my... Well, for sure in my top ten. Probably in my top five of roll flipping rights games. I, oh, I yeah. Some people separate them. I mix them together because they're pretty much the same thing. They just have a different mechanism for moving the, uh, gotcha. the game along. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I like the Winter Wonderland map pack. I... Don't know if I like it more than the the Halloween pack. I really, really enjoyed the Halloween pack. This one is all more about the lights and getting uh, consecutive strings of lights on your oh, yeah. your street and stuff sure. like that. Well, you have three cards, all in the number three spot that uh, you can change out. The one we had is just to have connected it, connected non stopping lights. Mm-hmm. And no, it's good. I had a great time with it. Uh, it's not my favorite of the map packs. Like I said, I really enjoy the Halloween. I got to try the others, but. It's welcome too. It, a lot of people have talked about it enough already to begin with, but it's so good. You flip over three cards, you put in the number in your your one of your streets, 
Mm-hmm. And you take the, you can take the special ability, whether it's making estates or taking a biz. This way you can copy a number. It, it's a phenomenal game. I enjoy the map packs because it just gives you a variety. The Welcome to Wonderland is really good. The Halloween one, I highly recommend, especially around Halloween because it deals with like candies and ghosts and stuff like that, which yeah. can pound points. And um, I like it also because it's a reward thing. So if you're the first one to get the so many candies you're you can like say hey i reached this point you're the only one that can get that one if you take like the middle one people aren't going to compete for the highest one or the lowest one so okay i do like that it doesn't really have that much in the winter wonderland but it's still really good game cool yeah good pick uh my next one is kind of a collection of games um it's a part of a trilogy um called brainwaves (laughs) and i used to own the original one i had since picked up the other two recently um, so now I own all three, but I want to talk specifically about uh, Brainwaves Wise Whale. And uh, this one, these are all games that are designed to like help you work with memory, uh, focus on you know it, different aspects of like you know memory and uh, critical thinking and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's interesting about it is that all of them have a scientific study, ba- like not based on the game, but the, in the back of the rulebook they explain you know why this is good for you. Uh, to what or why this is good for you to play and how it helps you with like uh, your your mental uh, capabilities, I guess. Um, and this one specifically, the way it works is that you have a collection of cards that have either an animal, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be a dolphin, a turtle, star, starfish. They're all different sea animals, and they have a different colored background. So like red, orange, yellow, green, blue, uh, teal. You know all those. Yeah. You shuffle them up, and then you deal them in a three-by-three grid, so you only have nine out. Everybody studies it for a few moments. You flip them all face down, and then the first player draws a card. Let's say it's the uh, red whale, right? Then I have to find a card that matches either red or whale. So I say, okay, I'll pick this middle one. Flip it over. If it matches one of them, I score it. But then that red whale that came up, goes face down into that pile. Oh, it's kind of like a memory game. Exactly. It's a memory game, and then you can do that up to three times on your turn, so you can score up to three points on a single turn, but everybody gets to see where the cards are changing. So that initial memory, like, I'm great at that. Like, I can remember just about anything on the first board. But after, like... It keeps changing throughout the reference. And then, so, the question is, how much of that ongoing change can you remember? And then there's a point in each of the games where you're just kind of like... I'm just guessing now because I don't even remember. Remember where everything this went. Is, this is chaos. And and all of the other Brainwave games work similar. One, you have a, your hand of cards facing away from people. You're yeah. trying to remember where they are. And then the other one, um, you, have like a li- you have like a lineup. Yeah. You have like a lineup and they have like different animals or, or shirts or colors and stuff. And you roll a die and you're like, it'll say like on spot number five. What color shirt do they have? And you're trying to guess it for the points. That one's a little more difficult. That one's for Minor Keynesia, actually, I believe. But all three of them are really good games. Um, they are fun. I do agree that they're simple enough that families can play with it and, okay. and have a fun time. But it does definitely burn your brain in a really interesting way. So that's the Brainwave series. Go check them all out. Specifically Wise Whale. I like that one the favorite. Alrighty, so moving on to my next game is one I might talk about a lot more later on the list, in the actual list, but I did want to put the fact that I did play it, and that's Cartographer Heroes. 
Ah, yes. I've okay. got the collector's edition. I haven't played any of the map packs. <laughs> I did play Heroes specifically uh, twice uh, just because I wanted to see how the hero aspect of it is going to work. Right. So basically what happens with this one is you got new monsters in there. And so when you're playing with hero cards, whenever a hero is drawn, you draw their specific uh, thing. So whatever um, their attack goes to, it basically eliminates that monster space. Okay. So if you're covering a monster space and put an X on it, that monster no longer activates, so you're not going to get your negative points from monsters. However, the new monsters spread out their attacks compared... Like, the other one is just, like, the normal four polynomials. There's some in here that do things a little differently, so you're going to have a hard time trying to X out all the empty spaces around them to not get negative points. But that's why the heroes are in there because they have there's four hero cards that can do the same thing that the monsters do, but except they eliminate the monsters. But some of the map packs that I also got from it, they look really cool. Like uh, there's going to be uh, lava cards that come out if you're playing the volcano one. I think it's uh, I can't remember the names of all of them, but that's going to start taking things out. So if you're building for a goal card that that has like a village that or six strong and a volcano goes off and you built it by the volcano. And the lava spreads out and takes out those village. Well, now it's four long or four big, and so you're not going to get your bonus points off of that. So, Ooh. you got to be smart of how you play it. Um, some monsters, um, also in heroes, I think the dragon, they actually eliminate spaces. Oh wow! So you're not going to be able to because uh, I think what's going to, or maybe the troll. I can't remember which one it was, but like whenever it comes up or every round, you add a block that is blocked you cannot use it now sometimes i can help you if the monster's in the right area and you got to do like a diagonal for a scoring it counts as a filled space okay but if it goes through like your city or your forest it's just uh destroying like those chains that you've been building the entire time so i really are intrigued with some of the stuff that they added into this one phenomenal game i've i cartographers was my one of my 2020 games of all year uh, all time and cartographer heroes is one of my most recent plays, and I really, really dig it. Another Thunderworks. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. So, Daniel, you know how I am essentially a big kid at heart. Like, I am perfectly fine playing children's games if they're funny. Yeah. Like, or if I enjoy them. Like, like two of my favorite games, Animal Upon Animal, Rhino Hero. Those are phenomenal Hobbit games. Right? Oh, yeah. Great Hobbit games. <laughs> Excuse me. Um... We went to, uh, a couple of days ago, we went to a different city, just completely spur of the moment, uh, to buy a dog specifically, but we went up there, and while we were up there, we went to a pizza, and um, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to them, Slice and Dice in Albuquerque. Yeah, and I, I've it's, heard it's of it. Pizza place, phenomenal food, and it's a board game cafe, or I guess, I don't know, board game location where you can play demos and stuff, and they also sell games as well, so I stocked up on a lot of games there. Um... <laughs> They have churro donuts. Oh, my God. Oh, anyway, that sounds good. Yeah, they're amazing. Um, so, anyway, I digress. We, I told my wife, I was like, hey, here's the library of games. Like, I'm not going to try and force you anything, but if anything looks good, let me know. And she's like, okay, cool. And um, and so she asked if there was any suggestions, and I didn't want anything too crazy, you know, and I had my kids with me, so I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, and I found a Hoppa game that I had been curious about, and we played it. It's called Hammer Time. Stupid name. <laughs> 
I know which one this one is. It looks yes. fun. So you have a pile of gems, and you adhere basically a mouse pad to the back of the box. Yeah. And you put these gems on it, and you have a little wooden hammer, and you're smacking the side of the box, trying to find or trying to have certain gems fall off of it. Now here's the catch: if you do nine or more gems that fall off, your turn's over. You're done. Too bad because you smack it off. That's to prevent people from just destroying the box and yeah, yeah, yeah. and just trying to collect everything. But you have like your own little wagon cards that have anywhere from uh from four to six gems on them that you need to collect, and they're certain colors. Yeah, colors are a little questionable for us, but you know I'm sure there's a way. We it's can a German it. game, so I'm not surprised. Right, uh, but um, as you're as you're hitting this box, as soon as a single gem falls off after that hit, boom! If even one falls off, that's it. That's what you get to choose from. And if you can put ones on your wagon, then great. If not. Just chuck them right back in the middle. But then you also have, like, little tasks that you can complete. Like, so, some might say you need to hit only one, two, or three gems. Yeah. One might say six, seven, or eight. One might say an even amount or an odd amount. Or one might say you have, like, two black gems that are just, they're just in there as far yeah. right? Um, that, that if you knock two of those off, you get it. And these task cards can be traded in as a wild gem. And... It's absolutely fun. It's amazing. I, I want to buy it so bad now. It's so, so Why didn't you so pick it up good. while you were there? There was no copies I found for sale. If there were a copy for sale, I would have bought it. Hands down. It, that we only played the demo copy. I haven't found it for sale since. I checked out the Barnes & Noble there and just didn't find it. I will buy it as soon as I find that available. It's, that it's also a little older, fantastic. too. So And Haba kind of goes through there. I think it was just last year, though. Yeah, but it's also Haba. True. They, they do release more than that. But this is, I mean, this is probably up there with Rhino Hero. Oh, this wow. is really, really good. I This might be one of my new favorite Haba games of all time. All right, so my last game, I was going to put Gloomhaven because that's what we've been playing. Yeah. But I'm going to change it because I don't think it's been on your list, and I know you've played it. We just didn't play it together, and I wanted to see how you feel about okay. it. Okay. And this one is Galaxy Trucker. Okay. <laughs> I didn't I, think... I thought about talking about this one, as you can see by my list here. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and, and tell us what you think. It was okay. It was... I don't know why everybody... I mean, it's it's one of those games that are hit or miss. Like, some people really, really love it, or some people right. really, really don't like it. And I think I fall along the lines of don't like it. Um, I just think part of it is, like, I like the the building aspect of it and trying to make sure, like, everything's good. But I just don't like how lucky it can't. Yeah, you can look at the cards, but how lucky the the actual path is. But the thing is, you have to stop what you're doing while your other players are building the the ship to go look at those cards. Okay, I can look at these two. Well, do I want to look at the other uh, sets that are over there for me to look at while losing time building my ship? It just and so a lot of times I just ignored them. And then, like, my first turn, I got eliminated on the first uh, first two flips or something like that because right. um, I didn't have enough battery power for my shields or I didn't have enough crew. Like, yeah, the second card is I would lose, I think it was, like, five crew members. I only had five crew. I had four people and one alien, and that one card cost me five crew. Yeah. And so, oh, well, you're done. Well, that sucks. Yeah. I can't play the rest of this while you guys get to do that. Okay, maybe I should build my ship more efficiently. Did the in the second round, I built it more efficiently. I still didn't get a lot of points just right. because of certain things that came up. And I just think it's it's 
so lucky and there's not a lot of stuff that you can mitigate it because you don't know what's going to come up. So yeah, hey, you can anticipate by putting your, your shields up or you can build uh, your guns up. You got to make sure you point your guns in the right way because you don't know where the asteroids are going to come with. But you got to make sure, hey, you got enough engines to move and it just... And not to mention, you got to make sure you got enough crew out there too. And so you only have a limited amount of space. And it's just, I like the building part of it just because of that little puzzle aspect. But when you get into the flying part of it, oh, right. I'm not first place. So I don't get a chance to go after this goal if they can meet it. Right. It's just, I feel like it's too lucky. Maybe if because it was only a two player game and it might be better at a bigger player count. That's why I wanted to get your opinion on this. Okay. Because I, I know you played three. three. Yeah. yeah. And so I just. I, I know our buddy really, really likes it. He really enjoyed it so much so he bought the app to play on his phone or iPad or whatever. Was this the owner of the... Yeah. Okay. I just didn't... I'm like, ah, oh, it's fine. After like the first two rounds, I was like, okay. I'm like, my third round was great. I scored really well in the third round. It's just yeah. at that point, I was already taken out of the game. I was just wasn't enjoying it. Right. Um. So a quick little background on it. This has been on my want list for wish list for a long time, probably mm-hmm. about three or four years. Yeah. That and and I had always had opportunities where I consider buying it too because I had always always wanted it because this is totally my style of game. Yeah. Uh, after that play, I took it off my want list. Okay, so I, it's not just me. I was I was disappointed in it, and and I'll tell you why. It it it's not so much luck. I mean, yes, there's a lot of luck in it. I like the speed building. I love that part of that it. That was fun. I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. And I love the concept. Like, I, it cracks me up. The idea of it is awesome. It's like, yeah, you're going to build your ship, and then it's just going to get pummeled and destroyed. What I didn't like about it, and what ended up ruining it for me, was just how many different things that the random objective cards would come up with. Mm-hmm. That it was it was frustrating because there's just so much stuff so many different things that they do if it was just they're and, gonna pummel your ship and see what you have yeah. remaining cool and the thing about that another part that really bothered me about it is the right. rolling of the dice to determine which section it's going to come in because like, you can plan fine. very yeah. well but if you i'm like i got like four guns facing down because i know there's going to be asteroids coming yeah. but it hits in that one spot i don't have a gun yeah. And so, like, there was one time I couldn't get any shields out there, like, the second round. I only had one shield that was facing front and right. Sure. And it's just... Uh... Yeah. No, and, and that... See, that's not even that big of a problem for me. It's it's just the sheer amount of, like, there's so many different things, like, economic. You're trying to trade stuff. You're trying to make deals. You're trying to harvest planets. You like, well, you want to make sure you have batteries. Yeah. You want to make sure you have the cargo space. You want to make sure you have aliens that can do this. There's, there, it's way too much for a game that's supposed to be simpler and it's not just that it's it's way too much for you not to know that's going to come up so you got to build your ship accordingly right but you don't know if you're going to be able to get red so right. yeah i mean you can put other stuff in that cargo hold but if i get a red up there eventually well i'm gonna right. have to start shuffling our things around or taking things out but it's just you don't know what's coming up, and that's fine. But to me, it's just there's no mitigation that you can do because all your stuff right. is done in the beginning. I yeah. can't mitigate anything after the fact. Right. Yeah, it, it was funny. I I was disappointed in it. Yeah, same with yeah. me. And, and I've always heard good things, like people saying they they really like this game. I think uh, uh, Tom Vassell or something like that it really, really enjoy it. And I'm just sitting there like, I get, I get why Z doesn't like this game. It's just... Right. I wasn't enamored. I'm like, I really, really want to try it. I'm glad I tried it. 
But it wants it to be a gamer game, and it's yeah, it's, it's not. Simply not. So uh, my last one that we we'll talked about, I brought it here because I wanted to show you. It's uh, Let's Dig for Treasure. It is Stephen Rhodes, I think, is the artist for this. This is a small little press your luck game, probably the simplest press your luck game I've I, I played. It's, at least it's up there because all the cards tell you exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like the humor, uh, like, like some things like flux or like the? Oh, I enjoy the flux humor. This kind of reminds me of uh, there's an old video game, uh, and it's like some of the older video games it looks like, but it kind of reminds me of um, Zombies Ate My Neighbors yes. style. Okay, yeah, I could definitely see that, yeah. Yeah. No, this game, like, it's, it's, I've had a blast playing it, but if you're looking for a heavy strategic game, this or even it. a good game, like, if, you're, if your criteria is, I want a game that's good, this isn't it, because it's, it's terribly off balance, like, like, I might be drawing a bunch of ones and zeros, and you might draw a 40-point card, Yeah. right, you know, like, it's, there's no way, like, in fact, the game I played last night with a friend of mine, um... He ended up winning because he drew a 40-point card. But it's not about the win. With this game, it's about that adventure. Like, yeah. there, there's a card in here where it's like if it's worth like zero points. But if, if you're the owner of the game, it's worth five points. <laughs> like, <it's>, like, <laughs> I like, like that kind of humor. Like that, yeah. Right? Like the evil skeleton, it instantly makes you bust. Like, yeah. Or if you get two worms, that's how you bust, right? But you're just drawing cards and seeing what happens and following their directions. Um, some will affect other players, like like the sewage, um, or like the nuclear sewage uh, leak. Yeah. Like when you score it, you just give it to somebody. It's negative twenty points. It's like it's it's ridiculous. This it's good. looks to me like what they were trying to do for Oregon Trail, the card game, where it's kind of push your luck. That kind of is based right. on a video game. Yep. That yeah, you know, bad things are going to happen. Just have fun yes. with it. Where that one sucked. Everything I hear about this one, it's really good. It's it was really fun and. After this, after this, I'm going to tell you right now, we are playing it real quick. All right. That'll go towards your your goal. Like yep. 100 new games. It's quick. It's like 5, 10 minutes, maybe. All right. Sounds yeah. good. And that'll give us a little break in between them. So that's what we'll play. And I've been playing it. I really like it. I did want to get the other Stephen Rhodes games um, that specifically the, um, like, let's do a seance or something. The, yeah, I think that's yeah. the one. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I've been wanting to play. Yeah, it's kind of like Machi Koro. I yeah, guess. yeah, it's yeah. like Machi Koro Space Space, but like a smaller box. Yeah, exactly. So I'm intrigued by that, and I've heard that it's like the Don't Talk to Strangers is me. Okay, but, the but still, three, I want the the whole set, honestly. Yeah, and if exactly. uh, they, I know I just missed the Kickstarter, but if they had like where you can buy all six, I probably would have done it. You could. It was like $110. I'm going to see if I can get in uh, Late Pledge Manager. So go. make that 15 Kickstarters this year. <laughs> right, exactly. And if you do that, I'm in. You know, yeah, I, I would love to try that too. But that's uh, Let's Dig for Treasure by Cryptozoic, I think. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Cryptozoic is the publisher on it. Yep. Cool. And so that means we're going into our 2021 Most Anticipated Game Revisited that's right. list. That's right. So what we did is we made a list of games that we were excited to talk or look into and play uh, at the beginning. Well, March, March, twenty twenty one. Because again, caveat for this, and we talk about it in the other podcast, is that we were going based off Gamma because Gamma yeah. tends to make a lot of board game announcements. But as of the last few years, 
Gamma hasn't really made that kind of announcements. It's more no. just been scattered throughout the year. And mainly because of the lockdowns. Well, they, no, because uh, 2019 they didn't make a lot of announcements either before True. lockdown. It's just because gaming companies realize, hey, let's build the anticipation up as early as possible yep. because they're trying to get all those games out right before Gen Con comes up or sure. if they're European, Eschen, or Essen. Yeah. And so they're trying to get all that up there. And so Gamma is probably the place you can first see them and play them and understand if you want to put them in your game store. But they've already been right. announced now. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, we have eight games that we each picked. I'll go ahead and flip the coin of Doom and then we'll decide. There, one, um, one caveat um, before we get started. Yes. Uh, we had talked about some honorable mentions Mm-hmm. On our list, I don't know if you put it on yours, but I also I put my honorable mentions on. I here. forgot what mine were, so. Uh, so I don't remember what you were yours were. Let me just go ahead and talk about the the two that I caveats. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I was correct on Frosthaven. It wouldn't be ready in 2021. Just mm. I've done enough Kickstarters to kind of figure out, especially how massive this game was. Yeah, he's like six months behind right now. They Which haven't even fine. really started the printing. Yeah, and it's fine because originally it was supposed to come out early last year or this year and then late. The, so I should, okay. uh, between October and December, it should already be sitting out for film it. But um, they still haven't even gone to the print because it's a giant print run. As I mentioned in there, he has to make like 92,000 copies or something like that. It's the largest board game Kickstarter in history. So yeah, I didn't expect it to come out in 2021. I am hoping right now it's looking to be mid to late 2022. I'm hoping it comes out in 2022 because we're getting closer and closer to be finishing with Gloomhaven. <laughs> so luckily I got role player adventures. To, uh, yeah. And I have uh, dice thrown adventures. Yeah. So we have, we have things to pass the time. And the other one was, I talked about Suki Yumi full moon down. Some people were already getting it, but it was still, um, having a bit of an issue in America. I do have it. You can see it right up there in the corner. I just haven't played it. Yep. Cool. All right. Yeah. And I don't remember what my honorable mentions were. It was pretty late last night that I reviewed this. <laughs> so we'll go straight into it. Uh, number eight. I'll start us off. Number eight is a game from Grail Games that I was very excited about. Uh, they ran a Kickstarter for it. It was called Whale Riders uh, from Rider Canizia. They did both a board game and a card game version of it. Mm-hmm. It looks absolutely fantastic with uh, Vincent Dutrade art. It looks cool. Weird theme, but it looks like a really neat, like, uh, kind of like management of like which resources you get when. The um, art's amazing, though. Yeah, and I think I think the big thing with this is that I've noticed this that Grail games are very difficult to find, at least where we live. Oh yeah, um, because I also unless you get on the kicks, uh, unless you get up on the Kickstarter, yeah, unless you get on the Kickstarter, yeah, it's hard to get down there because I believe they're an Australian company, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I'm looking for American releases because I want to get Boomerang as well, which is a Grail game, and I probably only own maybe a couple from Grail. I don't um, even know if I have a Grail game on my the shelf over here. Yeah, I don't know because they make really good quality stuff from what I've seen. Yeah, and so unfortunately, I just haven't played it. That's it. All right, moving on to my number eight is a game that shouldn't have been on my list if I thought about Sleeping Gods, because I really want to play Sleeping Gods. I've heard really good things about it. But this is also a Ryan Lockie game, and this is Now or Never. Um, I didn't pre-order it. I haven't played it because I don't think it's even out yet, but you could pre-order it this year. I just haven't. It looks really good. Mind you, I haven't even played Near and Far. It's somewhere up there on that shelf of shame. I think like the third game right there. Uh, above Discover. And 
I want to try it. I really do enjoy it. Like I said, I love Above and Below. So yeah, it's tough for me uh, to get, have this one on our list because I don't even know if it's out yet. Right. Yeah, I don't. I haven't heard if it is or not. Yeah. Number seven. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'll go first. All right. So mine was a set of uh, escape room games. Um, specifically, they announced two at the time that I was aware of. It's the Exit series, but the ones that use the jigsaw puzzles. Um, at the time, I was really excited because I had done like a mystery, like uh, yeah. little uh, jigsaw puzzle thing that was really inter- interesting for me. And I enjoyed the mess out of it, and I was excited to do an escape room with that. I've since done a couple of escape room games since then, but none of them have been Exit. I have yet to buy any of the Exits. I've completed Catacombs, and well, I've also done a Code of Chronicles, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been lacking. Uh, I've gotten way more escape room games and played very few of them. So that's that's it. The Exit Jigsaw Puzzle games. I'm still excited to play it. Uh, my excitement has not dwindled, but <laughs> I still haven't gotten it to the table or bought them yet. So that's it. All right, moving on to my number seven is something I mentioned out in the most recent podcast, and that is I recently played it. And that is The Loop from Pandasaurus Games. And I own it, as I mentioned, and I have played it. It is phenomenal. It's really well done art. It's good pieces. Great production. Pandasaurus never, you know, lets you down when it comes to stuff like that. But I love the gameplay of it, too. It's it's very simple co-op that you're just trying to meet a certain amount of goals by playing out your cards. And you're adding cards to your deck. So, in essence, it's a little bit deck buildy. Um but it all depends on where you land and if there's a card there because you're adding what is called artifacts to your hand. And so if you're in a, if you end your turn in a certain area, one of the things as you're going through the phases of a round or your turn is that you can pick up one of those cards there, but you can only pick up one. But I like the time aspect of it because you can send people backwards, you can move forward or back however you want. And when it's always talking about adjacencies and stuff like that. It's good. It's a phenomenal game. I really enjoy it. I've only played it two-player. I do want to try it with more player counts because it was tough as a two-player. I could just imagine how crazy it is because right. the each location, and that might be different at four players because I think there's two player or two sides, is that you can only have so many rift tokens. And if their rift token comes up, um, you take out your... Um, what is it? Your goal because each place has a goal card that you have to meet. It, you lose that, so now you're you're supposed to. The basic game is you got to hit four goal cards, and I think there's eight locations. I think is what it is, and then you lose a rift. There goes one. Oh wait, a second rift comes up. You only have four rift or three rifts. So if a fourth one comes up, you're going to lose the game. But if a second rift at the same location that already has a rift, you will lose the game. And to win the game, you have to meet the certain amount of criteria. Now, there's different scenarios, too. The The basic game, it just tells you play Sabotage. You get four goals. That's it. There's things that make the game more difficult. There's games uh, or there's other things that have different requirements for you to beat the game. And so I enjoyed it. I just have a blast with it. And this looks like something that could be expanded. They can yeah. add more stuff. And it's just literally that. You just add more stuff. So I, I dig it. The loop, number seven. Pandasaurus has been really digging on like the time travel things. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to try their That Time You Kill Me game. Oh, yeah. I heard really that, good things about that one, too. so good. It's absolutely my style. Uh, my number six, I just double-checked it right now, 
It, it has not been released this year, so obviously I haven't played it yet. Um, it, the release date is set to 2022, but it was Skyrim, the board game. Yeah, they barely um, had the Kickstarter this year. Yeah, they barely had the Kickstarter this year. I figured that was kind of going to be the case, but um, I didn't realize that they were going that they were that far behind as far as publishing it. Oh, okay. Um, I thought that they already had, if they were doing a Kickstarter, I don't remember for sure them announcing that it was going to go straight to Kickstarter. Yeah, no, I just thought it was going to come out, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, the Skyrim the board game. I, I don't have much else to say about it. Obviously, then I couldn't have played it yet. Yeah, but uh, I want to. No, it looks pretty good. Um, from what I saw on the Kickstarter, now I didn't back it. Um, mm. it was just way too much money. I want. I almost wonder if there was if there's going to be a like tabletop simulator version of it. I might have to look. Into Maybe that. if there is, I'll probably try it or. At least yeah. a board game arena, something like that. I prefer board game arena over tabletop simulator. I don't like the uh, physics. Right. And somebody just posted, like, I'm looking at the comments right here. Uh, base early bird is going to be 125 plus shipping, um, Australian dollars, and base plus all expansions is 257 plus shipping, Australian, Australian dollars. dollars, which is roughly, I think, close to like four. No. And I don't right. remember what the the time dif- or the money difference is, but it, it, I know it was pricey. I thought it was like up there with three hundred with everything and shipping. Yeah, it looks like there's a lot of roll to resolve, like roll for things. Um, yeah, there is a tabletop sim game, hundred plus hours of experience. Skyrim fans, this guy rated a five. Oof. All right, so moving on to number six. Yep. Yeah. All right, number six. Here comes our coin flip. Sorry, I just got caught up reading, which is exciting for our viewers. <laughs> All right, so moving on to number six. My number six pick was Aliens, Fate of Nostromo. I own it. I've played it. I really like it. Now, is it my favorite co-op of the year or something I've played this year? Probably not. I do like that you do get the alien theme, the little bit of attention uh, from it, and... Like, we always compared Nemesis as, like, the alien game that was legally distinct from Alien. Right. This one is good for its price point compared to Nemesis. So, if right. you just want something that gives you the alien feel that isn't a card game like uh, um, Alien Encounters, uh, Legend, or Deck Builder. Uh, it, what is it? Legends? I can't remember. What Legendary. The, Legendary uh, Encounters, uh, which is different from the regular Legendary. Um, I say pick this one up. It's inexpensive it's about thirty dollars you do get the experience it's tough though at four players we got our butts handed to us when we played it um i i enjoy it i wouldn't rate it high i say maybe a six or a seven out of ten it's it's in that range i don't know exactly where yet but i do enjoy it and i do get an alien feel of it and it's nice to bust out because it only takes like 45 minutes mm-hmm. and so i i enjoyed it number six was alien fate of nostromo all right, so on to our number five. You ready for this? Wait, did you do your six? Oh, you have Skyrim. Skyrim. There we go. I'll start first. My number five is going to be the first game that I have played. We did Kickstarter. We interviewed uh, the owner of the company, Kurt Covert. This is a Smirk and Dagger game that they ran a Kickstarter for. Um, and he fulfilled it quick. I was really impressed. Yeah, that was really it. fast. Uh, the game is The Night Cage, and it's a thematic game. We got it before Halloween, which was important, because I definitely played it on Halloween. Um, you are all trying to basically traverse the maze, trying to find each, every player finds a key. Yeah. And then everybody joins in on the, uh, gate spot. 
the maze is developed through it. You can only ever see one space away following the paths. So as you're moving around, you remove tiles. It's constantly changing. You fall down holes, which might may or may not be a good thing. It depends. Monsters pop up. Uh, the, can- the wax eaters, which are absolutely terrifying. Um, this game is great. I love this game. It's it's random. It shouldn't be as fun as it is, but it's fantastic because it's so, so thematic. Every tile you pull, you don't want to pull, but you know what you need to traverse to find those keys and find a spot where everybody can do it. But you just don't really want... Um, you don't want to flip over a wax eater or a problem. Yeah, it, it's absolutely fantastic how it works. I like it a lot. That is my number five pick, Night Cage. Stop punching my mic. My number five is a game that I was really looking forward to. And it's by one of my favorite designers, formerly mm-hmm. Fantasy Flight, Corey Konetska. I do own the game. I just haven't played it yet. And this is the initiative. I, it looks amazing. It looks like a really good game. I'm really really intrigued to play it i just haven't busted it out i've set up the what is it the decrypto machine whatever yeah <laughs> the little pieces <laughs> i set it up i'm ready to play it it just i've been gloomhaven it's been yeah. gloomhaven it's been like gloomhaven. I, I i already have like several uh story time games going on right now so mainly we've been concentrating on gloomhaven and i'm, I'm hesitant to start um the initiative well, I'm still got all those other stuff because like Charterstone, we got two games in, haven't played it. It's still sitting there and right. I want to play it more. It just hasn't busted out. So I'm very hesitant at starting the initiative. But then it can go like a Scooby-Doo Coded Chronicles and we just play like several of them at one time. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I, um, I, the group that I would play the initiative with, which I, I have already played one, one round and it is fun. Um. There's one problem with my group, and I think I've... Have I brought this up before? Yeah, yeah, you told me about it. It's your friend. Yeah, he can look at that cipher and go, okay, yep, got it. And, and like, we have to, like, aim it away from him. He's like, like, it's not the spirit of the game. Like, you're right. You you knew what it was. Yeah. But come on. Exactly. No, don't do that. (laughs) Now, he'll probably be able to figure it out pretty well once we start solving it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of the point. I mean, it's... Well, it's yeah, part... you're supposed to. Yeah. But just the fact that he can look at the cipher and be like, I got it. Yeah. It's like, dude, come on. But no, it was it was a really cool game. And I'm looking forward to it. There was... Um, I heard a really great description from the Dice Tower podcast when they were talking about it. There's one component in it where, um, where they're talking about it. And you, I'm sure if you've set it up, you've looked at it. And there's one component in it that's, that's pretty obvious. Like, hmm, there's more to this component than... Probably. I... I don't remember. I it's been a while. I took it out. I bagged it up. I set up that right. thing, and I just haven't played it. So it's been well, a couple months since I've gotten it. The description he said is like you. You see, like you know, like a like the movie where it's like where it's there's an adult trying to enter a room, but it's actually three kids like standing on each other's yeah. shoulders with a with a trench coat on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like we all kind of know like <laughs> yeah, what's exactly. going on here, but we'll play along. Like yeah, exactly. That that's kind of like it seems that way, and I definitely got that same vibe from it too. I haven't. Figured out for sure that, but I'd believe it. But yeah, that's that's the initiative. Um, what was that on my list? That was my five. Oh, and so we've done our five. So now on to number four. I'll go first. So my number four, still 
technically doesn't exist. So I haven't played it. It's called Meeple Mountain from Breaking Games. And after we filmed this, and actually fairly recently, I wanted to see if I could find out any further information about it. Mm -hmm. So I actually went back to the 2020 um, Gamma tra like live coverage and found the Breaking Game uh, interview. And I found where they were talking about it and where they were saying it. And... I haven't heard anything from it since. So I still got excited about it because they showed like a prototype of it. Yeah. As you're rolling meeples down this giant water slide, it goes out into the board. And I don't know if they, if they changed the name, if they've made it something different, but it, I'm still very much enticed to try it. I just haven't heard anything from it. And now I believe that there's a, either a website or a, or like a podcast or something called Meeple Mountain that, Anytime you Google it, you'll only find their stuff. So I believe it if they rebranded it and renamed it, but it just looks so cool. So that's Meeple Mountain from Breaking Games that, of course, I haven't played because it technically doesn't exist. Well, I'm seeing the video pop up on uh, yeah. Board Game uh, for the Gamma Expo. And that's it. That's the only mention of it I found anywhere. It's not on Board Game Geek. It's not on their website. It's not on their news. It's not anywhere else to be found other than that one video. Well, I put in uh, Water Slide uh, Meeple. There's a game called Meeple Land by Blue Orange. Yep. Nope. Very different game. Yeah. So, game. so. Yeah, sorry. Yep. I mean, it, no control over that. You know, I can't be blamed for that one. Okay, I'll keep so, looking. So technically, my number four doesn't exist right now either. Oh. Uh, this is my Stefan Feld pick on our list here. Okay. And this is Hamburg. Uh, reprint of Bruges, so I could technically play Hamburg if I can find a copy of Bruges. That's the whole reason why I backed the Kickstarter, because you can't find a relatively good priced Bruges. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'll get the Kickstarter. And the original plan was the actual Kickstarter was supposed to come, these two were supposed to fulfill before the next two came on. Right. But with the shipping crisis as it is, the container issues, they went ahead and said, okay, what we're going to do is all four games are going to be sent with one another. Okay. Um, we're going to do the next Kickstarter, which is New York and Marrakesh. And then all four games will be sent at the same time, roughly at about February, March timeframe, like spring of 2022. So, yeah, it's not even here yet. Um, I've seen some art of it from when they send like the Kickstarter stuff. I I was disappointed, just like most people are, but sure. I can, I understand. I have a lot of games that I can play before yeah. it gets here, including Feld games down there. So Exactly. Um, and Feld games that I own that you saw and played yet. Yeah. So my number four was Hamburg. I really do want to play this because I've heard everybody say Bruges is their favorite. A lot of people say Bruges is their favorite Feld game. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I, I want to try this. I still am a fan of Castle Burgundy. I like Merlin. So... I probably will enjoy Bru uh, Hamburg, so. Very likely, yeah. All right, ready? Yep. Off to our number three, this is, and you'll be leading us away. All right, so my number three was my Stonemeyer pick of the year, and I actually did get it relatively quickly. I think it took uh, August or June, or, or I think it was like July or August when I did get it, but I did finally play it, and that's Red Rising. I was already a fan of the book series, mind you. I only read the first book and really enjoyed it, but haven't read any of the rest of the series. Still on my to-be-read list, but with my job and everything that was going on, I just haven't been reading either. So, But Red Rising, I do own it. I do play it. I really like it. 
I get why some people, because it was compared to Fantasy Realm, because Jamie Stegmeier opened that door. They they do two different niches, so I do understand why some say, hey, let's just do this one because it's quicker. I like Red Rising. I like the way the scoring goes. I like everything that's going. My only issue with this game is I have the Collector's Edition. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful collector's edition. The only problem is they've been very good about being colorblind friendly, but but the fact that they're using the metal cubes, it was very difficult for them to be colorblind right. friendly with this one. You they and did me, as best as they could, yeah, considering. Considering. Now, I'm not upset that I have the collector's edition. Um, it is a bit difficult. You and me were playing colors that were pretty close to each other. So what we ended up doing yep. was like you put your color on one corner of an area and I put my color at the opposite end. at the like. So if you put it at the top corner, I put it at the bottom corner on the other side of the board uh, of that area just for we can know which one of our cubes was which. But I really, really enjoy this game. I had a great time playing it. Uh, I haven't tried the solo. I heard the solo is pretty good. But yeah, Red Rising, my number three. Cool. My number three is still not out yet. So once again, I cannot be blamed for not playing it. But it's specifically Unmatched, the the one with Houdini in it. Yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of the Unmatched got pushed back. Because yep. the only more recent Unmatched I got was Deadpool. Yep. I do have one Unmatched pre-ordered, but I think it's um, on Miniature Market, the most recent one. I know uh, our mutual friend Dom has it. Yep. But mine was tied with another pre-order, and I'm waiting on that pre-order as well. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm not upset if I don't have it just yet, but that was the Battle of Legends. I don't even know when the Houdini one's actually going to come out. Who knows? And I think a big part of that, too, is because Mondo in on, uh, Restoration Game had did something where now Mondo is still going to help them with the licensing, but all releases are going to be through Restoration Game. Right. Exactly. So what what that all boils down to is that if you are planning on playing a like head-to-head battle game like this and you want IPs that are still being supported, Funkoverse is available still. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, no. But here's the thing. You can get one Marvel character. The other, the, the Marvels got right. pushed back too. But you can still get Jurassic Park IP-wise. Yeah. Um, Buffy is an IP as right. well. But I actually own the Funko Marvel now. Your point being, you don't even like Marvel, so... No, but if I were, <laughs> if I was going to have it for one, I'd rather it be Funko. Yeah, but I have the better Marvel character on Unmatched. Which is? Deadpool. Okay. I mean, I know nothing <laughs> about superheroes. I saw the new Spider-Man movie yesterday. <laughs> that's that's about the most I know about superheroes. Um, but but yeah, anyway. my number three was... Uh, or yours was Unmatched, huh? Unmatched, that's right. And this was the Houdini one. The Houdini one. Yes. Yeah, I think it was... Who is it? Houdini and... And the Genie. The Genie, yeah, okay. Yep, which is cool. Like, I'm looking forward to that. I might get Marlin as well and have, like, a Battle of Wizards. <laughs> so you basically the first copy? Yeah. The first thing? That'd be pretty fun. All right, on to the next one. You'll be leading us off, and this is our number two. My number two, I cannot be blamed for not playing it yet because, again, due to the shipping crisis and everything that's going on, um, it hasn't arrived in America yet. I think it's on a boat on this way over here. They're gonna try. like the like the no, I think it's Island stuck part. in yeah. I think it's stuck in port is what it is. Gotcha. They're gonna try to get it through at the end of the year, but it just depends. And this one is speaking of restoration game, Return to Dark Tower. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting this played. It looks really good from what's everything that I've seen on the the Kickstarter stuff. But it just again, it's still not here in the states. 
I think it's in port, but they haven't just been able to unload the ship or it's stuck at port and haven't been able to go to the fulfillment center. The most recent one, I think, is that's what it is. And they're still waiting to get it to, I think it's Quartermaster Logistics that's going to do their um, fulfillment. So, but I'm looking forward to when I get it. It might be my 2022 game (laughs) played. So, we'll see. Now, did you happen to listen to like what my number two was? I technically referenced two games, but I focused on one specifically that I knew more about. I remember somewhat what you're talking about, because I think your number one is your Feld. Right. So my number two was my Phil Walker Harding game, and I, I brought up both Lava uh, Land and the Explorers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I knew more about Explorers because they announced that earlier. But that's the one you were talking about? Yeah. But the one you're probably going <laughs> to... But I'm now going to talk about Lava Land because I haven't played Explorers yet because I haven't found a copy for sale at all. Yeah. It, no. it might be available, but I just don't know. Yeah. Uh, but Lava Land was available, and I did get it, and I've played it. You haven't played it yet, have you? I have not played it, but okay. I, I did... Uh, uh, you played it with our friend Gamehead Geek over yep. on TikTok. He already put a video up about it. Yep. And he, he's already probably going to buy it, yep. and our, our mutual friend Dom as well, I played it with him at the store. And it's always a satisfying feeling when he goes, darn it, Danny, like after playing a game with me. Well, he does it to us all the time, so screw him. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he, he liked it. We've all liked it, and so you're going to like it. I, I can already tell you right now. Oh, yeah, now. it's Phil Walker cool. Harding. Yep. And, but yeah, it's Phil Walker Harding. It's fantastic. I, the very first time I played it, I was questioning whether I liked it compared to some of the others. Um, and then I played it, and I was like, okay, we're good. Like, I, 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 I definitely see where this is going. I like it more the second time I played it now. Um, I don't think it it would unseat like Baron Park or Gingerbread House yet, mm-hmm. but it's still pretty up there. So that's my number two. That is uh, Llama Land, technically the Explorers. <laughs> so one second here, my mother in law and my wife are in like a group chat when I'm stuck in, and they're going crazy. Yep, yep, it happens. All, all I feel is on my watch is like, bzz, 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 and I'm like, I'm turning that off. Right. And then, so now we're going into our number one. Yep. Most anticipated game of the year. And I'll be starting us off. Alrighty. My number one was indeed my uh, my Stefan Feld pick. And that was a Kickstarter that kind of came out of the blue. It was yeah. Between... I just, how we got this one before the other one. Right, which exactly. Came, this came after the other one. After the first set, yeah. So the, we're talking in between the two uh, City sets, Collection games. Yeah. Uh, they ran two Kickstarters. This They did a Kickstarter for Coco Pelli between the two. And I have since played Coco Pelli a few times. God, this game is good. It's good. It's so good. Oh, my God. It was every bit of awesome that I thought it was going to be. Because when I first got it, I'm like, okay, this seems simple. Seems a little too simple. A little, little tricky when you're learning about the the play areas. Yeah, yeah. A little tricky on that. But it, what everything it does, it does really well. It's a smart game. It's an innovative design. I haven't seen anything like it. And it's just Stefan Feld at his finest. Like yeah. all of the different player abilities that give you bonuses. Like I love how everybody's like, oh, wow, what does this do? Oh, you can score things for only three cards instead of four? Oh, that's overpowered. Oh, wait, what about this one? You can play to any of your opponent's play areas? Oh, that's, oh, that's overpowered. overpowered. Oh, but what about this one? This one acts as a wild resource, or you get Oh, no, my personal favorite, you can play two cards. You can play two cards? Oh, that's overpowered, <laughs> you know. And technically, if everything's overpowered, it's balanced. balanced. Yeah, so it's, it's so good. It's cool. 
yeah, I, I can't encourage that one enough. I hope they make another expansion uh, for it. I hope they continue to support it. Right yep. It, it's so good. If you like anything Stefan Feld, it's lighter than most of his, but it's just as fantastic. The as only reason others. I think we got this ahead of like all the other stuff is because it's basically cards and a couple player boards. It's just cards and not even like that much as far as art. Yeah, and you get you an know. and you got an expansion with it and the box is not even full. Right. Exactly. I put the entire expansion in it and nothing yet. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so moving on to my number one, and I kinda mentioned it at the top of this episode, is my Thunderworks series. I kind of mentioned Kate May as an honorable mention. I played that one. Amazing game. Uh, and this is also Role Player Adventures and Cartographer Heroes. Now, mind you, I just recently got them uh, probably early, late October, early November. I can't remember exactly when they came in. That was during the, the black hole of gaming. But I'm really intrigued to start Role Player Adventure. It looks really good. I want to play Role Player, create my character, and take it into Role Player Adventure. Uh, and then Cartographer Heroes, I like I was mentioning uh, today, it was phenomenal. I really enjoyed it. I really want to get into those map packs. Um, I knew I was going to like Cartographer Heroes because I just love cartographers. I want to get into the map packs and see how they play differently. But uh, even though it was my honorable mention, the one I want to talk about is Kate May. I was surprised how much I liked this game. Yeah. It, and it's not uh, too much of a shock for me. I really enjoy everything Thunderworks has put out so far that I've played. I haven't played like the dual powers or yet. some of the other stuff yet. But I have enjoyed it. And most of the stuff in the Thunderworks line are tied to role players. So like uh, Lockup, it's in the role player world, Cartographers. Mm -hmm. Kate May is so entirely different and not even tied into the role player world. But right. it's still such a phenomenal game. I really, really dig it. I think you would really enjoy it. Um, I like the events that happen at every time of the year. So it can set things up like, oh, this is a fire outbreak over in these sections on these streets. So yeah. it's going to cost you more to upgrade or build or do whatever you're going to do here. But also doing the little blind bag pull and pulling like birds. And you're like, okay, maybe I should start getting more birds because they're going to start compounding points yeah. or getting to go to the lighthouse and the lighthouse lets you build a cottage or a shop for $5 anywhere. And then by the time you get over near where that cottage is, you can upgrade it to the thing. Cause the big thing about it is when you're building, you have to be adjacent and they make it where you can see how the adjacency works. Cause shops are squares and no shops are hexagons and, cottages or squares which will allow you to build up to your other things but then because it's a street you got like uh, streets going around it actually shows you where what like little dots on the square or the hexagon telling you okay this is the adjacent spot okay this is the adjacent spot and i really really dig that and then you get to build on the boardwalk on the beach and trying to get your points it's better to build on the sand if you're going to go victorians but it's not really going to give you a lot of points. Uh, it's better to build up on the north side, like in the, the gravel pit area, because right. you're going to get more bonus points for building there as well at the end of the game. Got Phenomenal it. game. I really enjoyed it. Role player Adventures. I'm looking forward to starting. Cartographer Heroes. I've talked about cartographers for a whole year, so there's nothing different here other than the really cool powers that mm -hmm. the heroes give you and some of the new stuff that they added to it. Okay. And the gold cards and the fact that once you got it, you can combine it all. And then I love the uh, collector's edition because you can put all your map packs in one box. Plus, it gives you color pencils. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it sounds good. All in all, Thunderworks knocked it out of the park with the two games that I have played. And I bet you the third game is going to knock it out of the park, too. More than likely. Yeah. Cool deal. 
So that was our list for anticipated games. Uh, I ended up playing, I think, three or four of them. Um, Let me see. Many. One, two, three, four, yeah. five, basically. Basically, yeah. So that was a good list. Uh, did they all meet your expectations? Uh, ones you did play. Yeah, actually, uh, Red Rising, I really, really enjoyed. Um, like I said, pleasantly surprised with Kate May, and that was only just an afterthought. I mentioned it during when I was saying right. like role player adventures, but yeah, Kate May shocked me because, like I said, I knew I was gonna like Kotaku first because I really enjoy the game to begin with. I like some of the things that they've changed, like the uh, with the powers and stuff like that from the heroes yeah. and other things. And then, um, Aliens, Fate of Nostromo, I enjoyed it. I the surprise for that much is that I wished I enjoyed it more. Yeah, it was good, but our, our mutual friend talked about it. He's like. This is good, but because what Robinsberger did with Horrified, it just, it kind of, you're expecting more with their co-ops, in a sense. Yeah. Mind you, Horrified was originally uh, Prospero Hall, so that's a big step down, because the the new one, uh, the Alien, is not Prospero Hall, and it's still good, Right. and it got that pandemic-esque, is like, you do good things, and then bad things happen to you and stuff, so... Yeah. But all in all, I say out of all the games that I have played out of my list, my two biggest surprises were The Loop and Kate May. I knew I was going to like The Loop. I didn't know I was going to like it that much. Mm-hmm. And Kate May is just, I, I knew I was going to like it. It looked good. and It's like worker placement-esque. Uh, it's more yeah. like your person's going down the street. But I like the movement, the way you can go this way or this way, unless there's certain streets where you have to follow the traffic line. It's, yeah, both of those are my two biggest surprises what I played. Cool. Yeah. And you? Mine, uh, I mean, Coco Pelle was just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I, I already Pelle. expected it was going to be good. Well, it's failed. Yeah. I didn't realize how good it was going to be. And I was hoping because I love the Southwest culture of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's based on Native American folklore. Like, that's awesome. Now, that I've seen some reviews where people are like, well, you know, it's almost like offensive. It's a German designer making it. I don't think he was... Like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a pasted on theme, but I don't think it was... I don't yeah. think it was bad. Like, yeah, it, he it just liked the artwork, and yeah. I know there was some stuff like he got permission to do it. So, and, well, they had Native American artists actually make the art. Yeah, so it's you know makes sense, I believe. Yeah, so, so it's good. I, I uh, it wasn't on my list, but yeah, that was also one yeah. of my surprises too. Is Cocapelli how different it is, but how simple yeah. it is. And then the other one was Night Cage. I, yeah. I I knew I was probably gonna like it, but I didn't think I was gonna love it like I do. It's awesome. It's really, really good. Alrighty, so that's our revisit. Yeah, absolutely. So we definitely want to thank you so much for tuning in. If you ever want to join us live, uh, like So Very Wrong About Games, thank you for tuning in. Mario Fanatic as well. Uh, they've both been chatting up. Um, by all means, join us on twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. And if you ever want to make sure that you catch us on a live episode, make sure you subscribe. That helps us out. Of course, expand the channel. And then on top of that, that way you can get notified when we do go online because our schedules are a little weird right now. So yeah. we'd appreciate the subscription. All right. And you can also find all video re-uploads on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do there, it's three things you can do to help us grow on the platform. You can subscribe if you are not. You can like this video and you can comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject of what we just talked about. Also, all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcasts. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. <laughs> and you said it right. If you ever want to give us suggestions or even just say hi and reach out to us, you can reach us directly at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. 
as well as you can also get in contact with us at our official Twitter account at EBG Podcast. So we want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of our podcast. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for tuning in to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board games.